Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise the Lord. We live in a generation today, and I say this sadly, with a lot of pain. And I believe it's because every other day we see people walk away from God than the generations before, especially in the most developed countries in the world. Because when you take God out of the equation, people become selfish. It becomes an affair of one. It's I, it's me. Everything is about me. So it's a generation that takes more than it gives, if it gives at all. It's a generation that knows how to do anything it must to acquire and win, but does little or any to give back. So we don't understand the power and the laws that govern exchange spiritually. It's a generation that expects harvests of whose seeds they have not planted and judges those who have planted because they cannot explain how they planted or what they planted. It's a generation of consumerism Amass as much as you can, take as much as you can, and sadly, at any cost, do not reserve anything or hold back. Whatever comes and you need it, at any cost, you get it. The point is, as long as you're happy and that it's convenient, will minister comfort for you. It's next the generation we live in. It's in the world, but it's also in the church of Jesus Christ. And so, we enter this ungodly competition and fight for things and ranks of whose process we cannot submit ourselves to. Everything then that comes out of that is a carnal thing because it's not begun by God, neither can it be touched by God in the middle or vindicated by Him. So it's not a popular thing these days to sometimes bring sanity. In English, we have a word called true north. True north. In other words, there are people who do not know or cannot tell what is really true, what is really right. You can find three or four, five people, all of them with their own definition of truth. And lately I have heard this interesting, it's a colloquial statement I hear always on, on television. And it has become so famous. Uh, lately people say, I wanted the world to know my truth, my own truth. Okay? To know my truth. Because now it's not about what is the truth in the Bible. It's about what you call true. It's the 11th commandment, they call it. 
devil worshippers and all these other people who worship darkness, they call it the 11th commandment, which is do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. If it is true for you, it is true. If it is right for you, it is right. It doesn't matter whether the rest of the people think it's wrong. If to you it is right, it must be right. That's the generation that has lost its true north. But I tell people, it doesn't matter whether it's next year or 20 years. It doesn't matter how much, you know, humanity evolves. And now we are entering the age of superhumans. Satan is trying to change and frustrate the image of God and create another age of human beings coming through. And in the years to come, you'll see, you know, men built with robots and many other things. Because there is one thing he has a problem with. The moment you continue maintaining your image and the very nature that God created you by. Because in that, you actually proclaim the glory and praises of him who called you. Are you following what I'm saying? So many things are changing faster than we can tell. But true north means what is true is true and what is wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter who does it. You might subject it to your own reasoning. But what is wrong is wrong and what is right is right. You can't get an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old child and tell them that we are going to change your sex and operate you. That whether you give us a visa or not, that's your problem. But you can't get a child who is 9 years old and convince them that you're a girl, we're going to operate you and put parts that you were not born with. True north. You find people arguing. But the thing they're arguing over, if you listen to it, one simply has refused to admit what is really true. Some things are obvious, but people are going off bearing every day. These campuses are spiritual, moral, and intellectual campuses are going off every day. Every day. Every day. You're protecting the rights of citizens, right? If somebody kills somebody, you say it's a what? It's a crime. Isn't it? You arrest them for life. But then you're saying that a woman killing a baby is her right. Are you following what I'm saying? So, they're less of a human being because they're still in the womb. Their life too. We all come from there. You see what I'm saying? So it's a generation that has lost its true north. People today do things and you ask yourself, even in us in the, the church of Christ, there are things, a pastor can say something on the internet and you, you're a sheep and you say, eh, but bishop, really? How did you become bishop? You understand you follow what I'm saying? Somebody tells a lie. And even the people he pastors know he has told a lie. They, even they know, unless they've lost true north. They also know that the brother is lying. What he's saying is not true. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the generation we've gone into. The things that we pastors do, oh God help us, and are inappropriate, they're not fitting. Now you, our congregation, you can actually judge it and say, eh, anyone. This brother has gone far. But we don't know anymore. A wonderful man of God came to a service, attending service with us up there. 
So we were praying in the service on Thursday and the man was looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. Then after service, he came to me, shook my hand, says Apostle Grace, do you see how much money is here? So I acted like maybe he says he meant something else. I asked him, sorry? He said, do you see how much money? Imagine you got 20,000 shillings from every one of these. So, in the middle of the sermon, I'm demystifying the mystery of Jesus Christ. You know in the upper room how cloven tongues of fire fell on people's heads? For him, on every head he was seeing 10 tk, 20 tk, 20 tk, 20 tk, 20 tk. <laughs> then after that, he took me for a meeting. He said, why don't you tell me the tricks? What tricks you use? Eh? So, Faneri is a trick. Now, where do you begin from? How do you even try to help this man? I mean, do I first introduce him to salvation? I, please help me. Where do you begin from? Because such a person, you first tell him, no, that's not true. Because what in the world makes him see money? And he wants the tricks that I use. North. We've lost it. We've lost it. You see the things, the words that pastors have on TV. He said, but at your age, you can say this about your spouse. You understand? You see, what happened to our generation? The things the person is saying about his wife or the things the woman is saying about her husband. Even if you had a relationship that went bad, there are things you cannot say. Even before we were born again, African culture did not allow us to say certain things. Or oh, we understand what I'm saying. That when a man is dead, you don't wake up in the morning and say, he has died and we said, you, you understand? He has children. He has people who are following him who are innocent. Like, how do you even do that? You can't justify it biblically. You can't justify it in the African culture. But somebody is 60 and they don't know the difference yet. Are you following what I'm saying? Something is wrong. Something is wrong. I don't know that people understand what I'm saying. But something is wrong. That I saw a video of a prophet. <laughs> he was on TV saying, I'm going to drink alcohol and I'll not become drunk. <laughs> he put wine in front of the table. Hey, hey. Ladies and gentlemen, the man opened the he said, boo, 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 and I will not get drunk in Jesus' name. I said, what's happening? Don't you see something wrong with that? One, he's a prophet, a man of God. He's raising children. Will you blame your children for drinking one day when you showed them how to? Two, of the miracles you could perform, the best miracle you have performed is not getting drunk. Do you know I know people who can drink and not get drunk? I know people. I have a relative who can tank down all those things and walk very straight. Now, is there a miracle worker? Are you following what I'm saying? 
Some people just have strong heads. There are people who just take two and... <laughs> and there are people who can take a whole, you know, and they're okay. But what I'm saying is, a prophet has put, you know, spirits on a table trying to show the world that he has an anointing that cannot make him drunk. Something is wrong. Now the silent people are observing, people are watching. So people ask themselves, you know, the problem with people is we think that the people who sit in the congregations are stupid. These people, by the way, let me talk to people who are watching. These people, you sound not stupid. You know, some people, they talk, um, you, <laughs> sometimes I, I listen to what people say and I'm like, so you mean eh, all these people who are seated here are all stupid, but you are the wise one. There are doctors here, engineers, parents. Eh? They come to sit in a church which tells people to sin. And for you, you're right, they are the wrong ones. You, true north, true north. So I have a pastor friend. They were in a meeting and they were voting for leadership. So they point at him and they say, that one, don't vote him. He goes to Fanero. He's a pastor of another church. So the pastor stands up and says, but me and you are the same. Why? Because if I go to Fanero, how do you see me? <laughs> Kumba the boy is watching on live stream also. Enjoy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. True North. True enough. But anyway, back to what I was trying to share. So today, we are willing to do anything at any cost. Even if it means conflicting our righteousness. And that's what I came to talk about today. That I know it's not popular to preach Psalms 37 verse 16 in 2023. But allow me to teach it. It says, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. It's not a popular scripture to preach. Believe me, it's not an easy sentence. But allow me to tell us the sum of this portion of scripture is that you'd rather have little and do things right than have much of things you can't explain because they contradict your truth or the truth that the Bible teaches. Please allow me that we have that conversation. Because, allow me, because we have sons and daughters in this house who are compromised because they have not read or understood Psalms 37. A girl tells you, me, I got tired of poverty and I will get money at any cost. But she's born again, thanks, speaking spirit filled. Next time you know, you hear that she's dating a man who is married. She has entered another woman's family to break it at any cost. Why? Because she must get money. She's tired of poverty. She cannot walk anymore. I'm tired of walking. What's the price of getting a car? You hear a girl you've pastored for six, seven years, four years. She went with some Muhammad. And she's a third wife. She's a third wife. And the man must bring a fourth also. Born again Christian. 
but the guy bought her a Range Rover second hand from Japan. Are you following what I'm saying? From Japan. Then she says, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, ah, ah. Some people are just a rental apartment in Munyonyo away from falling. You're living righteously. You're just one apartment. He just buys it. Oh my God, you're gone. You stop seeing her coming to church. Next thing you hear, wedding invitations over bells. Was this man married? Yeah, he had, she had actually two women earlier. Hey, so this woman, hey, she has gone in as number three. Your daughter, spiritual daughter. Mama. Are you following what I'm saying? Where do you begin from? You mean for every effort that you invested in teaching this person Christ, they did not meet an ounce of understanding. Learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Better a little with righteousness than much with wickedness. We need to have that conversation. Do you know how many people in their workplaces are compromised? And if you're Ugandan, it's even worse because almost every office. <laughs> Uganda. Ay, 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 ay. Even a security guard at the gate. The least expected. Some of your business people, you know what it means to enter an office. Some of us, you get your documents, you take them for clearance. So you go into some of these organizations to clear a simple document. <sighs> then the man starts telling you things and you don't even know where to begin from. It can even make a righteous man corrupt at the systems. When you speak about it, you're the problem. Why are you talking about it? Eh -eh. True north. People have lost true north. But our Christians find themselves in the system chained with shackles on their feet because it's just how the system works. It's how the system works. You need to throw a few bones to the dogs, they call it. I remember when I was banking, two gentlemen walked to me. They had planned to defraud the bank where I was working. And I believe they had infiltrated one or two of our people. Now, as the last link to get through for them to fulfill their what? Their decoy. And I remember these guys called me for a cup of tea at a certain hotel. It was 7 p.m after work. So, you know, Grace, we want to make you rich. I said, uh-huh. Now, they start unraveling a plan of robbing the bank of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. And all I needed to do was just look away. Because this thing had to pass on my desk. Just look away. And they would have that bank. Besides, it's not your money. It's the bank's money. The way they had planned it, trust me, 
it was going to end up as just a non-performing loan. That was, it was just going to be like that borrowed money that they're not paying. Or later we're going to discover, the bank was probably going to discover that all these documents these guys had were fake. Later on, and I don't think they would have even arrested anybody. The way they had planned it. It was smart. And then they told me the cut, how much they were going to pay me. So I just what? Look away. And after the man speaking, I told him, brother, sorry, I can't do this. So he asks me why. I told him because I'm born again. I don't know what to tell God. I can't do this. Look at the opportunities you're missing. And you know, Satan has a of bringing opportunities when you need the money. I don't know who I'm talking to. Do you know when that moment when the issue comes, it's when the opportunity, it looks like an open door. So if you're not mature, <laughs> not all open doors were for you to enter. Circumstantial evidence is just one guiding light. There are another six for you to go through. So if you're not mature, you think that every open door is for you to what? To enter. And that's not how life is. Oh yes, and that time I really needed money. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I needed the miracle. But I told him no. Now in retrospect, I look at what God has given me. And I imagine what if I had compromised. Because I always tell people, if Satan can bribe you with a billion shillings or a million dollars, if he can bribe you on $20 million, how much more do you think you're worth? Are you following what I'm saying? If he can bribe you on $20 million, that means he knows you're worth more. He'll always bribe you on less than you are because he can't pay who you are. Only God can. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 6, the Amplified Version says, Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with painful effort, a vain struggling, striving after the wind and feeding on it. In other words, you'd rather do little peacefully than strive and find yourself in many strifes, carnal things, because you must make it. Some of you have wars around you because you strive with things you are not supposed to strive with. And if you chose peace, you'd have gotten less. But you cannot get less. You will fight until you get it all. And God says no. You'd rather have gotten little with peace than a painful effort that is not righteous. Even in business or whatever, I would rather eat little but eat what I know I can explain. I'm a business person. But I tell even the people I work with, I tell them, let us eat little. But let us eat what we can explain. I don't want to go sleeping, but I'm also watching somebody, slap might come from... Uh, for what? I remember somebody brought me a very nice business deal once. I, yeah, 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 it was so beautiful. And I told him I can't do it. And he said, eh, how can't you? I told him God didn't make me wealthy this way. And I'm not going to start like that. You understand? He did not make me wealthy doing this. 
So I'm not going to start doing it now. God can make you wealthy even when you do things right. In fact, more wealthy. Understand what I'm trying to tell you. Understand what I'm trying to tell you. Do everything under a certain conviction. Yeah, people can judge you. By the way, someone can have a wrong story about you. That's okay. It's okay for anybody to misunderstand you as long as your records with God are right. Are you following what I'm saying? I was not called to be right by man. I'm called to be right by God. But your conscience should always tell you that there is a point where I will be pushed and some of you have not yet just been tempted. But one day you'll sit on a table where they'll put you at ransom to sign for your birthright. And many of you choose to sell your birthright for a muzzle of meat. You must sleep with that boss to get that promotion. You know what you're doing is wrong, but you have to get the promotion at any cost. You must get it at any cost. We had students who used to sleep with lecturers in universities. We've heard about it. Willingly. Because she has to get 90% at any cost. Where is the end of it? You think by getting 90% you're going to make it in life? Life is way bigger than that paper. There are people who didn't even go to school and they are a success because the hand of the Lord is upon them. Wealth can come to you even when you do right. Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Choose right. It might be slow, but choose right. It might not be convenient, but choose right. Do you know how many people right now are in public offices poor because they are doing right? And they think that that is being, you know, uh, not, you're not switched on, you're a fala. Is there an English word for fala? Gullible. They think you're gullible. Do you know the end of everything you have earned in wickedness? It goes to the wind eventually. There's a man I know very well who in his primal years amassed wealth the wrong way. And he later died. And when he died, he left it for his children. Now it's almost as every child who wants to get to eat dies. It's killing his kids because of how it came. And I tell you, I don't see, unless otherwise, I don't see that any of those kids will enjoy his wealth. Because it's killing them. Everyone who gets to it, it's killing them. It's killing them. People have sacrificed lives for wealth. People have killed kids and, you know, for wealth. People have done things you cannot imagine for wealth. People have done all manner of witchcraft. One time I was in Ginger preaching in a meeting. So I reach in a room and God gives me this interesting vision. There's a woman in the room. They went to a witch doctor to do witchcraft, to build wealth. And it involved digging and burying them as though they were dead and certain incantations spoken over that. It was a long thing. So in the meeting I say, there's a lady here. You and your husband went to do witchcraft. 
It involved many rituals, among which was putting them in a coffin and burying them as dead people and speaking words over that. And indeed, they made wealth. Guy bought very nice taxis and made wealth just out of that. And eventually, after some time, it found its way back. And their whole world was shattered. So I mentioned that as a word of knowledge. And this woman comes up and confirms everything I had said. Now she tells me they have lost everything. They're even worse than they were before they went into witchcraft. But they had built wealth at some particular point. And people have done things, by the way. People do things and then after that they start consecrating it by coming to church. But the way it came at first, they think they can consecrate wealth. You can't consecrate it. Are you following what I'm saying? The Bible says, as we go back in Psalms 37, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The wicked one who builds wealth, the Bible says his arms shall be broken. He shall be broken. Give me the message version of that. Verse 17. His arms, he says, for the wicked are moral weaklings. They are moral weaklings. Weakness comes, it hits you. Eventually, wherever you thought you are building strength, weakness will come instead. You lose it. The arms, KJV said, will be broken. They'll be broken. Something will break it. It's not forever. It won't go to your kids. If it goes to your kids, it will still find a way of leaving them. And that's what people live for an inheritance. They leave kids inheritances that they cannot maintain because those children can't do what you were able to do. I'm telling you. A certain man died and I knew the family. And I was praying with them. Not really praying. Talking with them. Their Muslim family. And I told them, I don't think you're going to keep that wealth. The lady says, how, how? I told her, you go in your father's ceiling. You're going to find things. You go in the house. Move, look. Indeed. They went in the ceiling. They removed things. <laughs> the things people are keeping in houses. If you're born again and you're here and you're keeping something in your house but to keep wealth, to keep your children, go home and burn it. If you can't burn it, look for Apostle Grace, I'll burn it for you. There is somebody, you have Mabugo, Mbugo, eh? those back clothes, and you have things, they are under a bed. And you think they are keeping your children. Bring those things, I'll burn them for you. Back clothes can't keep a child. Those beads can't keep a child. Children are of the Lord. And some of you get born again, and you still keep that stuff in your houses. You're born again, but you still have things you're keeping. The end is destruction. It does not end well. He says the arms of the wicked shall be broken. But the Bible says the Lord will uphold the righteous. The Amplified says continually righteous. 
He will uphold the continually or consistently righteous. And as you stay consistent in doing what is right, God will uphold you. The next verse says, For the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. People who build wells right, even their children's children's children enjoy it. Because it's not about what they live on the earth. It's about the blessing, not the physical things they live, but the blessing they leave to their children and children's children. I tell people that some of us are a result of men who were grandchildren of men who sought the Lord. My father's mother was a man of God. I look at that man's sacrifice and I know we can't struggle. The Bible says I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. These men moved town place to place, planting churches, building the gospel. They lived on, you know, on so little, but they were preaching the gospel for their seed one day to stand where they could not stand. Are you following what I'm saying? But some of you, even the little you have, it's of a wrong source. It's bound to go with the wind one day. And that's the thing you're going to die and leave your children to inherit. <laughs> he says the inheritance of the righteous is forever. If you do things right, it's forever. I tell people, for me, I don't care how little I get. I don't want to build something that I know will fall. If God can't do it in me, it's okay not to come. I want only what God can give me. Praise the Lord. That is why I thank God on this earth, I owe no man. No man, there is no man here whose money I have or anything. I don't owe any man in life. Not one person. No man can say that person robbed me. Nobody can say it. It's not possible. So they say did they're lying. That's not me. That's not me. You're following what I'm saying? Because I understand Psalms 37. My conscience is clear before God. I started tithing when I was 15. Some of you were still eating mandazis and eating your pork. Me, I was tithing. We can't be equal. I gave all my salary in the bank. We can't be equal. The years I've given 60 or 70% of my income. We cannot be equal. We can't. Are you following what I'm saying? We are givers. We are not takers. Nobody in this ministry can say, Apostle Grace asked me of this. I don't. I don't beg. I don't beg. Even when you see money, I don't beg your money. I bless what you're able to give. If you're not, it's okay. I tell my COO, I look for the money, I put it there. There are times I have gotten my own personal savings and met financial needs because we don't want to call you. Not once, not twice. I think every year I'm the biggest giver in this ministry. My CFO can tell you, and I'm proud to tell you that. Not that people don't give. No, I have great givers in this ministry. But I think I outgive everyone here. Why? Because the ministry should not need, and we need to call somebody, oh, dear brother, you know we love you. Mm -mm. Keep your money. I told God what they are not able to provide, give me the money. I will do. I will do. Are you following what I'm saying? We are free. We are free men. We are free. So nobody can control me. There's nobody who can control me with money. There are no special seats in Fanero. All of you are on plastic chair. Whether rich, famous, minister, what? All plastic chair. You understand what I'm saying? 
Because it takes a certain humility even for you to sit in that chair. Some of you would say, ah, there's no special chair for me. I'm not going to church. Don't work here. Even I don't have a special chair. My wife does not have a special chair. Plastic. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we want to build a generation that is not attached to the glories of this fallen world. We shall be the best in the world and come in the house of God and be children. People don't understand the strength of Fanero. Let me tell you the strength of Fanero. In Fanero, you can find a magistrate preaching on the streets. That's the power we have. In Fanero, you can find an honorable member of parliament preaching on the street. In Fanero, we can. For us, we can. That's who we are. Eh, you're joking. Here, when we are in the house of God, we do anything. That's our strength. In Fanero, you can have the most acclaimed doctor in the country. And you find him serving in security. And then after that, he sits in his Range Rover and goes back home. <laughs> Why? Because these men are content. God has ministered to them. They know God. They're not looking for the glories that the world can offer. They're not looking at the attentions the world is seeking for. We're not looking for that power. No. They are storing treasures where moths cannot eat. I tell people in heaven, <laughs> you're not going to go with anything. That's what he says in Timothy. Let's open Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6. He says, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we ca carry nothing out. That thing sobers me. There's nothing you're going to carry out of this world. Nothing. Six feet, your body. I know you have many properties in Mayenga, in where, in Canada, wherever. But when you die, it is six feet. And a wooden casket. And maybe some clothes of you. Among all your clothes, they'll pick only one and put that body in. And you'll ascend in glory. You won't be ascending and saying, Wait, my Range Rover! <laughs> the Bible says we came with nothing. I always imagine myself born with nothing. Nothing on you, not even a cloth. That's how you came into this world. Yes, you've built wealth, you're driving a car, you have a nice house, and congratulations. But you came with nothing in this world. Nothing. You came with nothing. You're stepping on people's heads, disrespecting people, thinking that you're the best thing the world has ever seen. You, you know, you're, you're building a world like you're a king. You want to be worshipped, but you came with nothing. And the day you die, you're going to go with nothing. Richest or poorest, all of us at one particular point, six feet. Whether it's in a golden casket, wooden, whether it's with nothing, whether they just fell on a field in a war, eventually once celestial lives terrestrial and we appear before God. It will not matter whether you lived in Muyenga or somebody lived in Chibuye. Whether you lived in the most affluent places of California or somebody was living in a very poor state somewhere in Zambia or Uganda. It won't matter. The end is one. 
you will not go with anything. So then, store up true riches. Store true riches. Because some of you are working hard on the earth, but you're doing so little in the kingdom. You're going to go in heaven and you'll find some of us in mansions and you're going to be our gatekeepers. Matthew 6.20 Lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. When I see a child on Thursday arranging a chair, I'm like, look at this one. They're laying up treasure. When I see these kids practicing on choir on Saturday, they are laying up treasure. When I see the security guys walking and running, I'm saying, look at these young men. They are laying up treasure. They are laying up treasure. I've told people, for as long as I've had breath in my lungs and strength in my body, I've stood before you every day. You don't know how I sleep. You don't know how I eat, whether I go through bad or good. You don't even know, or even some of you don't even care. And that's okay. But we have been available for the gospel. From the day God consecrated me, and told me to preach the gospel. My family is my witness. Whether I was sick, whether I was weak, I remember a time I would go, throw up, clean myself and get on the pulpit. I know times I pulled cannulas out of my hand and stood on the pulpit and preached and they didn't know. Because we are not building for the world. We're building for heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? There is nothing. We've put our families online, our wives online, our children online, everything online for the gospel. Because we are building where moths cannot eat. Let me tell you some of us, I don't care how they judge us in the world, we have a heavy recompense with God. There are people who will judge us on the earth, but when we get to heaven and they see how many people I want on the earth, they'll be ashamed. Let them continue speaking. Let us win souls. Let us change families. Let us revive people. Let us do things that bring glory to God and let them speak. Let us do while they speak. Let us do while they speak. But for everybody at the sound of my voice, get something to do in the kingdom. But some of you, because you're a CEO of a small car organization, you feel you're too beautiful to preach. Even the organization you're CEO of, they are going to fire you next year. You were not born with it. Your children won't inherit it. Those positions are temporal. Heavenly assignments are eternal. You find somebody and they say, because I work in this bank, I can't stand on the streets. Like it would destroy our brand. What do you mean? What do you mean? If that bank told you to go on the streets, would you go? Yes. Because that's where Yoka 3 million comes from. So you can do that for 3 million. You can do it for 1 million. You can do it for 50,000, 500,000 retainer. But you cannot do it for Jesus. That's what I'm trying to tell people. There are people, if they were paid to do it, they would do it. There are people I know here. If you told them, I'll be paying you 2 million shillings or 4 or 3. Just stand on the street and preach for only 30 minutes from 6.30 to 7. Yeah. Are you following what I'm saying? When you come in the work of God, strip every title. Strip every title. When you go back in the world, put on your title. Put on your title. 
I have people here in the ministry. This person, what do you do? They tell you, Smanya, I'm a high court judge. And they are. And then you come in Fanero and you find them serving tea. And you say, hey, this one has understood. Then you find a young girl who doesn't even have a job. She's in my mother's house. But she's shy. She can't do... How can her OBs see her? OB, OB. Listen to the word, old boy. They are past tense. They are past tense. I remember we had started Fanero. Of course, Fanero was thriving. So there's this guy in a former company where I used to work. He was a get man in a former company where I used to work. So he finds me on the streets preaching. <laughs> Fanero. I was on the streets preaching. The guy saw me and he did like. Getman was ashamed. <laughs> ah, pride is very deceptive. A Getman was ashamed of me. Apostle Grace. <laughs> Let me tell you, if a man is proud, even if they do the least job in the world, if a man is proud, they are proud. If a man is proud, they are proud. Even if they are doing the least job, even if they are a toilet cleaner, as long as they are proud, they are proud. You can't take that away from them. Are you learning something? We came with nothing in this world. And we go with that thing sobers me every time. That's why I tell those who know me, if you have known me for 10 years, 15 years, 13 years, wealth, glory, power have not changed me. I'm still the same old man. Those who know me know me. Yet I am so blessed. I'm anointed. Man, God has blessed me. Everywhere I go, I'm a post of grace. What are you talking about? Hey! You enter a room and they know you've come in. But I have not changed. Even street preaching, you're going to see me there. Because how can a kid be on the streets earning for heaven and I'm in my bed? No! We have a very successful person in the ministry, very rich person, I know. So one of those days we are preaching, I find them on the streets. <laughs> I almost cried. I said, look at what the gospel is doing to this person. They have everything in the world, but they're on the streets for Jesus. You remember the Malaysians who came one day to go on the streets. Among them was the wife of a speaker of parliament very affluent family, very powerful. And the speaker's wife came, put on a Fanero t-shirt and went there at Kamwoja to preach. Some of you are not even married. <laughs> the Pauline Balaz, who you saw on the streets on Kampala Road, these are some of the most powerful professors in Malaysia. But they've put down their crowns for Jesus. And they're doing it on your soil. And for you with your Kalito job which pays you three million, you feel you are too special for Jesus. Let's get to a point where there is nothing you cannot do for the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Be ready to do anything for God. Be ready to do anything for God. 
you'll see his goodness. You'll see his goodness. He says, we brought nothing into this world and certain we carry nothing out. Verses 8, he says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. In other words, God says, if you have food on your table and clothes, and I always tell, my pastor and all these people know me, I always tell them, if I have food on my table, clothes on my body, and an anointing on my head, there is nothing I need in this world. Nothing. Those who know me, know me. If I have food on my table, clothes on my body, and an anointing on my head, there is nothing and nowhere I cannot survive. It doesn't matter the inconveniences or conveniences or circumstances around me. I always know I will break through because I know the things the anointing has done for me. Even if tomorrow I left Faner and I went another place in the world, I would still make it because I know what's upon me. I know. I know. I know what's upon me. I know what God told me where you were not. God wants to make you so content. Don't get driven by extra things. All these things, they are just extra. Like Ecclesiastes says, they are vanity and vexation. That's how I see life. The glories of this world are nothing. Why do you think Jesus refused to take the glories the devil was ready to offer for him? Why was the devil willing to offer all the kingdoms and their glory to have Jesus bow to him? Because it's more important to Satan to bow to him than anything he has in his life. That means he can give you anything to bow to him. And many of you, or some of us right now, Mammon has become our God. There are things we can do by money because of money. Because we've been raised in a certain place. Die to those things. Die to those things. The church Jesus Christ is coming for is not carnal. Somebody shout amen. He says, They that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And he says, But you, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Many have given into these things and they have lost even their faith. Like I told you, there's a girl right now who is just a second-hand Range Rover and a rental apartment in Monyonyo away from denouncing everything she has believed God for all these years because of money. I'll take you to America. Only that. What? America? Eh? Whoop. Have something on your life that spells the pride only God can give because of what you believe. You see, a while ago I was, you know, reminiscing, thinking through, going through, and I thought of a man like Michael Jackson. That man, some of you I think saw his videos. What people were willing to do to get to Michael. What the world was willing to do to get to Michael Jackson. Now you Ugandan, some of you don't even have a clue because there's nothing we can liken him here. What the world could do to get to Michael Jackson, to get to him. And you'd see videos of women collapsing, fainting, not because it's hot. No, they were overwhelmed by the boy's presence. That man had a presence. Michael Jackson had a presence. He just needed to stand on the stage and just do, that's it. 
and women would start passing out. So on a Michael Jackson concert, you needed enough ambulances. When they are planning, they plan ambulances. Because the faint-hearted are going out. They're going to be slain by the power. How many people are copycats? How many people want to be like Michael? How many boys grew up and all they thought was Michael? They started to dance like him. Everything was Michael. What do you want to be like when you grow up? I want to be like Michael Jackson. They sing like him. They dress like him. They, everything. And the dear man is alone in his mansion. Looking at everything he has and nothing can satisfy. And it is said of his story that he could not sleep without a drug. He had to put things in his body. And he swallowed those pills and swallowed them and swallowed them until they killed him. He's empty. But there's somebody who would sell their soul to get what Michael has. Yet even in what Michael had, he was still a man dying. Because there was something in him money could not buy. Then you find a Christian who wants to be like Michael Jackson. Some of you read the story of Elvis Presley. Up to today, there are men who sing like him, who want to walk like him. They do everything. They copy everything Elvis Presley did. They are stuck in Elvis. The spirit on Presley took them. But he was found to in a bathroom. The drug overdose. There was something in his heart that money could not give. And you have it. Some of you had the story of the dear girl called Whitney Houston. Started in church, a worshiper of God. Some man wrote a document once and said, and Whitney Houston burnt, I'm told, close to a hundred million dollars in drugs in her lifetime. And they found her in a bathtub. Two years later, her dear daughter Christina was found too dead in a drug overdose. I always tell people, if Whitney had been showed what this was going to become, I don't think she would have entered that secular world. And then you find a young Christian girl entering Project Fame. She's born again. She comes from a poor family. She thinks Bambi, she's going to make it. But they go there, they sing, they make it in life. And one day they still get to the same issue. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Unless they have God, really. Nothing satisfies. And some of them who have gone there have come back and they're telling them there's nothing there. Some don't understand it yet. They need to test eat fast and say, let me also try and go. But it's all empty. It's works. If God saves them and they come back, good. Some don't come back. Some is the beginning of a downward spiral on the road that one day will bury them. And they'll waste their lives. And sell it. The things people are willing to do for money. You'll be amazed. But when God delivers you, as Psalms 37 says, and you are free as I have read, to get to a point and say, I would rather have little and keep my life. I'd rather have little and keep my pedigree, my reputation, my position. To deny yourself even what you could access because you have a greater purpose and vision of your life. 
ladies and gentlemen, that is of uttermost maturity. So this is my prayer for you in the name of Jesus. God forgive us where we have compromised. Have mercy on us where we have sinned or looked upon what this world could give us and chosen it instead of you. I ask you for every man and woman and child at the sound of my voice. Tame our spirits to separate the lawful, the expedient, the permissible, and the beneficial. To separate the precious from the vile. In Jesus' name. And all saints said, Amen. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I give you my heart to change me, transform me, teach me, speak to me, minister to me. I give myself to you to lead me for the rest of my life. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.